We would like to say a special thank you to Lisa and Tim Rave for sponsoring this week's episode. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it, is, in my opinion, one of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture, certainly in this um, passage of John. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. We're discussing the very familiar lectionary text for Christmas Day in today's episode. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. As you'll hear Adam Carey and me ask Sarah Stenson, we can roll over the incredible meaning of these words from how familiar it is. As you'll hear Sarah explain, this text is the basis for the entire Christian faith. We also ask, what is John referring to in the Word? What does it mean to enlighten, and how does that relate to universalism? And how does the world not know its Creator? Let's get to it. Here's John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have Sarah Stenson with us this week. Thanks for being here, Sarah. Thank you. Nice to see you, Sarah. You too, Adam. Nice to see you, Sarah. You too, Carrie. Thank you. <laughs> also, you, Mason. Nice. <laughs> nice. Or should we say... What? 
I was going to say, I thought you were teeing you up for Merry Christmas. But oh, oh, Merry wow. Christmas. Yeah. Uh, we were all waiting yeah. at him. Yeah. You dropped yeah. the ball. We tried, dropped the we ball. tried to prepare yeah. him. I, I know. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah. No, that's that's a good context. Uh, this is the Christmas episode. Uh, yeah. We're in the first chapter of John. We just confirmed, I think we confirmed earlier uh, that John 1 is always used on Christmas Day. So this is a, I mean, this is a familiar text. If you don't um, like the version we did this year, go back to last year. And the year before that, and the year before that. Um, but let's just start uh, right from the beginning. Uh, in the beginning, uh, nice. this might seem uh, familiar <laughs> to other people uh, for other reasons. Uh, where yeah. is this from? Right. Um, so in the beginning, the very first three words of the Gospel of John, chapter one, verse one, it's an echo, which is why you're right, Adam, it sounds familiar because it's echoing Genesis chapter one, verse one, mm -hmm. in the beginning. Um, and that is intentional, by the way. This is John actually now in the very first clause of first words he's writing. It's an intentional saying, hey, you know, all that Old Testament scripture, it's fulfilled right now in the person of Jesus Christ. So he's intentionally um, plagiarizing Moses in Genesis 1.1. Effectively, mm -hmm. so there's a theological kind of stake in the ground, even mm -hmm. with that in the beginning. But then he goes on to say what it is about the beginning that is now finally the fulfillment of of all the Old Testament scriptures. Mm -hmm. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, he was in the beginning with the Word. I guess. Uh, he word we it seems kind of obvious, but who what what's right. John referring to? Right. So all when three you're all it, things came into being through him. Right. Uh, yeah. When you're hearing that first verse, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. It's easy to kind of skip over that in your own head, um, which is why I do want to slow down on it. Word when you're reading when you're reading it is actually capital W the word, capital W, which is Jesus Christ. And we know that from the rest of what John says, and certainly from uh, the rest of scripture, but even just in this text, he does elaborate on the fact that capital W word is Jesus Christ. And so what he is saying is in the beginning, in other words, echoing back to Genesis, in at the beginning of creation of everything, heavens and earth, everything, mm -hmm. Jesus was there. The word was there and he was with God and he was God, which is a monumental claim that Jesus was God. There was no time before Jesus. Mm -hmm. He was with God. So all of that is actually contained in verse one. So he's actually kind of, John now is actually kind of filling in the creation story itself. We know God back in Genesis, he created by speaking. He said, let there be light and there is light. This is what Luther calls the verbum real. When God speaks, it happens. Mm -hmm. What John now is saying is God speaks the word capital W, it's Jesus, the Logos, the Word, is actually how God uh, creates is with that Word. Mm -hmm. So you cannot separate God and Jesus in Genesis or now in John. And you can't 
separate Jesus and and the Word. They are one and the same, and it's not. It's just like it's a function of of Jesus, but it it is Jesus. Right. I, I'm, I'm I'm kind of talking in circles here, but it's just it's not just like another name for Jesus because it is. It's like kind his of like a verbal. Power. It's like a verbal noun. It is really what you're saying, and in Hebrew we can see this too. But it is kind of like a verbal noun. Luther, Luther, in his lectures on John, says, "By the way, Mason, almost exactly what you're saying, only in you know really long German-ish sentences." <laughs> but he, he, he sounded much tougher than you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. a lot more guttural sounding. But it, same concept is that. Um, we cannot, he says this over and over in his John lectures, actually. We actually, at a certain point, cannot understand this, even this conversation about word or capital W or verbum real, God yeah. creates, but we can't understand it rationally and logically because at a certain point, it doesn't make any sense. So it's actually, I mean, literally an article of faith. It, this is part of our foundational belief system as Christians, and it's coming out of this John text. Mm-hmm. There's the hidden God, which we'll never understand. Yeah, and even the revealed God, because God mm-hmm. is actually revealed in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So this is the revelation now in the flesh, literally. Mm-hmm. But but that doesn't mean, uh, revelation does not mean, oh, now we can uh, like knowing, understand right? it logically. Yeah, yeah. it's We're still a confession human. of faith. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So then... M- Continuing on, um, it says, He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him, not one thing came into being. Yeah. Before we go any further, who is it talking about when it refers to Him or Jesus? So this is verse 3, and this is Jesus. And what the Gospel of John is saying here is that all things came into being through Jesus. And without Him, nothing came into being. And that is still the case, by the way. Jesus is, again, this is that God's speaking into life, creating out of nothing, is what we talk about it, how we talk about it now. Um, But the Gospel of John here is saying nothing came into being without Jesus Christ active in that creation. Are these two clauses saying something different or are they just saying the same thing in different like almost the exact same way all they things just came really in, make sure you hear it all yeah. things came into being through him mm-hmm. and without him not one thing came into being exactly it's the emphasis yeah yeah just in case you want to try to find a loophole yeah, or exactly. what about this yeah. he's slamming the doors on all of yeah. that yeah, yeah. It's, it's both the positive and the negative yeah yeah well and then it continues to even give further context yeah. about it too right it says what has come into being in him was life mm-hmm. and the life was the light of all people right and it is the um as you start to walk down this series of verses with john it again it can it's easy to get kind of caught in in my mind, kind of in the rhythm of the speech. It's familiar. It's kind of hard to wrap your mind around it. Kind of like the Lord's Prayer. You don't think about it until you think about it. You can just kind of say it and not really think about what you're saying. Like, okay, what in in being was life. The life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness. But it, it really, there is a progression in what has come into being in Jesus was life with an F. And the life was the light with the 
GHT of all people. <laughs> and that light to GHT shines in the darkness. So he's he's walking you logically in a pretty quick uh, series of little clauses here that um, the light of Jesus Christ, which is also the life of all people, shines in the darkness. And that is... Jesus and Luther again. I was just I was just looking at his lectures on on chapter uh, one verse four that in Jesus was life. The life was light of all people. And Luther makes a really good comment on um, because Jesus is active in all of creation. He is the life and light, um, but life specifically in all living things. Mm-hmm. And Luther specifically calls out cows and pigs. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. But then he says yeah. there's a difference, though, with human beings. And the life um, and light he gives to people is different. We see this again back in the Genesis story, too. We have dominion over all of creation as mm-hmm. human beings. And Luther kind of picks up on this and makes the distinction that absolutely Jesus is um, active in all of creation, life, anything with life. And by the way, this also means uh, when our life is withdrawn, this is God withdrawing our life and saying, no more breath for you. Mm -hmm. Your life is done. But that life is the light of all people that shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. So the light is actually capital T, truth of we have a God, we are not God. That God is finally and ultimately a merciful God who forgives us all of our sin, who gives us, I mean, it goes to the Lord's Prayer, as you said, Carrie, gives us daily bread. He forgives us our sin. I mean, all those things are contained. The entirety of the Christian confession is contained in this couple little sentences. And that verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it, is, in my opinion, one of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture, certainly in this um, passage of John. And it, it is especially true because we know that the darkness is sin and death. That's the darkness John is talking about here. The sin, death, and the devil, that's the darkness Jesus Christ, the light of Jesus Christ, shines in that darkness. Well, how does that happen? Through the preaching of his gospel gospel word of forgiveness. That's how it shines. When we have faith, when the Holy Spirit gives us faith in that promise, that is the light that shines in the darkness. That darkness will never overcome it. That's the light, the hope, the word we cling to when we are suffering and when we are afraid. Well, I mean, it's a you, powerful image. Yeah, if you think about what 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 is light in our everyday, and my mind immediately equates light to hope. Yeah. And, and what is the opposite? Or how do you actually get through sin, death, and the devil? When you're actually worried about your death or the death of your loved ones or... Um, just sin Anything. in general. Like, yeah. I mean, your life is filled with all of these stresses, anxieties, worries, threats. Yeah. And yeah. the only way to actually have an antidote to that, to not have, be overcome by yes. the darkness, 
is through hope and what do you actually hope in? And that is faith, your faith, faith in what? Exactly. Jesus. Jesus is the light. I mean, all of these things, it's just like you said, this is a very incredibly powerful verse. There's a ton yep. of meaning packed into every single mm-hmm. one of these there words. There is. And it's such a powerful, like even just image in our heads. And this time of year, at least in our part of the United States, it is literally dark really early. Our days are very short. And so... 4.37 p.m. Exactly. It's pitch black. It is. And so even just that that mental image of the light shining in the darkness, the darkness cannot overcome it, is incredibly powerful. Yep. So then continuing on, on, it says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. So this is kind of the part in the story where it shifts away from Jesus and God onto John. Um, it says he came as a witness to testify to the light so mm-hmm. that all might believe through him. I'll stop there. We yeah. Can continue. <laughs> yep. So the shift here in verse six is to John the Baptist. That's the man sent from God whose name was John. It's John the Baptist. And as, as our listeners know, we're going to hear a lot about John the Baptist and we have already heard about yeah. John the Baptist. So Three weeks ago. Yep. So, so this um, verses six through nine, uh, basically about John the Baptist. Who's different than the gospel writer. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Adam. And one of the keys here <laughs> is that John was a man sent from God. Mm-hmm. So he was not uh, a free-range chicken, as I've heard it put elsewhere. <laughs> he wasn't just out there um, grabbed by the Spirit, I'm going to be a preacher. Like, no, he was He was literally fulfilling Scripture um, sent from God to testify to the light. So verse eight, he himself was not the light. That's John the Baptist. But he came to testify to the light, which is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And that was his one job. You testify that long bony finger, as Luther says, pointing to Jesus Christ. That's it. That was his one job Mm -hmm. so that all might believe. And then it says in verse nine, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. I think it's really interesting that they take a good three, four verses here to talk about John yeah, and make note that he isn't God, that he isn't the one coming. And I know we've talked about this in past podcasts, that a lot of people at the time mistook John for the Messiah, for the one who was coming. Exactly. And that's just... That's just very intriguing to me, um, especially here. It makes sure to note that he is testifying to the light. Yeah. So it ties back There's what we job just talked about. Yep. Yeah. But real quick, what you said about in verse six, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Mm-hmm. So is the, would that kind of differentiate him from someone, let's say like Paul, who was apocalypsed by God. He wasn't necessarily sent by God, especially when he was Saul. Yeah. He, like, <laughs> the um, origin story of John the Baptist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sorry. Maybe this is not important. I'm just trying well, to get the difference there. Well, they do have there. different, certainly have different backstories or origin stories, but they have the same function, which is to testify to the light, to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what Paul, Saul Paul did too after he was apocalypsed. Mm-hmm. John didn't have that same uh, backstory, as did the Apostle Paul slash Saul. But they ended up in exactly the same place, which is they have one job to do, 
and that is to preach Christ. So in that way, they are very similar, and God is the one who, who sent John the Baptist and also sent Paul on his merry little way. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good uh, question, Carrie. The next verse, uh, 9, uh, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Maybe uh, this sounds almost uh, universal. Yeah. Um, enlightens everyone. Uh, it, it almost is un- unbelievable because you know that not everyone uh, believes. So what's, what, what's it mean to enlighten? Uh, right. And how is this not a universal? Exactly. Which then this verse, this is verse 9, can get picked up to sound like universalism if for sure which means everyone just believe exactly yeah. that well that god jesus saves everyone universally that's what universalism is it turns jesus salvation basically into a law that if you're a human being automatically you're saved and so the people can take this verse out of context entirely out of context and say see look that's what john 1 9 is saying what that is not, by the way, what John one nine is saying. Just for the record, clarification. Wait, no, she said that, and you could immediately. Yeah, see I know, the light like, no. So someone's gonna take that audio clip and just, just <laughs> exactly. be like, see, Sarah, Sarah said it. <laughs> um, they'll proof text me like they do John. So what John is saying there is that kind of like we we're talking about with Jesus is active in all of creation, with the life with an F E that we are talking about up above. Um, Similar concept here, the true light enlightens everyone was coming into the world. The Greek word there for enlighten is photizo, which means enlighten, reveal, illuminate. So Mm -hmm. what the true light of Jesus Christ is illuminating or revealing about everyone is how deeply sinful we are. Mm -hmm. That is the enlightenment for everyone. We are all deeply sinful sinners in need of Christ's mercy. The next verses, 10 through 14, start to um, kind of elaborate on just how deeply sinful, but also how this is not a text of universal salvation. It is very much the opposite. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, you can, we'll just continue on. He yeah. was in the world and the world came into being through him, uh, yet the world did not know him. So uh, he was in the world. Uh, as the first uh, part of uh, John says, yep. all of the world came uh, through him, was created through him. And yet strangely, the world didn't know uh, its creator. <laughs> that is an so, important thing to say strangely, because how can you make the world and be in the world and the world not know you? Yeah, well, so real quick, we're talking yes. about Jesus here now, yes. right? Yes. So verse 10 yeah. shifts okay. back yeah. to Jesus. So Jesus was in the world. Thank you, Kiri. And the world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know him. And I'm going to go on to verse 11 because it kind of it. goes a yeah. little deeper. <laughs> he came to what was his own. His own people did not accept him. So this actually goes back to the enlightenment, that photizo, the illumination of what? how deeply sinful we are. Mm-hmm. Jesus came into the world and disrupted, broke the law by fulfilling the law. Ultimately, he went around forgiving sin, something only God can do, of course. He actually loved his neighbor as himself. He went around pointing out to the people who thought they were really good at the law, the scribes and the Pharisees especially, 
how selfish they were. And so Mm -hmm. he got killed. Our sin killed him because we are no different than the scribes or the Pharisees. We are as offended at Christ forgiving sin. We are as offended by that now as the people in Jesus' own time were offended by it then because it is not fair. Mm -mm. And so, of course, the world did not know him. And of course, his own people did not accept him because they were thinking in terms of the law. They thought mm-hmm. they were good at the law. Let's just keep the system going. We're waiting. They were waiting for the Messiah to bring them a political victory. That's what they thought the Messiah was going to do. And here comes Jesus, son of a carpenter from Nazareth, which was a rotten little town to be from. And he goes around forgiving sin and holding up the mirror to say, do you see how selfish you are? And it was the sinners who flocked to him not the self-righteous. So of course, of course, he was not known or accepted. It's the same to this day. It's the same thing to this day, that even among Christian circles, those of us who preach the law-gospel distinction, the way you hear us talking about it and the way the three of you confess it, we are not the majority of Christian confession, even in Lutheran circles, because for the same reason, people did not know or accept Jesus Christ. Because at the root, you do not make friends by naming sin, by showing people how selfish they really are. That's not the way to make friends and influence people. It it got Jesus Mm -mm. killed. You can't even state this enough that just how bizarre it really is that God saved the world, saved us by sending someone to not be either the most powerful thing ever. Like think about like any superhero movie, right? Like if you could be Superman and have super strength and have every superpower imaginable, like he didn't do that. And he also didn't do it where like this, this person would have been perfect perfect at the law, like that completely, he was flawless, but not in the, the, right. In the way that not in the self-righteous way we want to think Mm -hmm. about it, like straight A's breaking the curve on the I'm trying so hard. Exactly. But it's just, he sent somebody that walks around and points out how selfish you are. Like, like you just said, he's walking around holding the sign. Oh, you think he didn't break that commandment? How about this one? And yet he saved the world through that very person who's just pointing out everybody else's flaws. Like that is like just... You would never anticipate that. Mm-hmm. No, exactly right. And and then it gets worse <laughs> when you keep reading. Yeah. Um, to all who did receive him and who believed in his name, he gave power, this is Jesus again, to become children of God. So, and that power, by the way, it's exousia in the Greek authority. And then it goes on to say, who were born not of blood, so it's not their genetic, no, it's not their DNA. Not their father, not their nope. mother. Nope, not the will of the flesh or the will of man. So it's not your own free will. It's not their decision to accept Jesus or receive him, coming That's out of verse terrible. 11, but only the will of God. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. it, which is part of the offense of Christ, which yeah. is also, by the way, 
why it's definitely not a universal salvation text. It's only the will of God. Mm -hmm. That's it. In God is in complete control. And the one of the phrases that gives that away here is when it says, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. Mm -hmm. That's where in verse nine, that true light, which enlightens everyone, that's where it kind of can, like cancels it out for those who think it's universal. universal. Yep. Is it's he gave power. That's not universal. Exactly. And That's it is selective. the will of God mm-hmm. to yeah. do that. That's exactly right. That's tough. It's tough, but it's also incredibly comforting. Yeah. Um, which is why this is such a great Christmas text, because it can be tough, and you can hear this as threatening, mm-hmm. if you don't know, am I one of those who receive and accept him? Well, this again is the power of the baptismal promise. You well, are literally named child of God. Even if you are baptized, to think of all those who aren't. Right. And then what can you do? Answer the question, then what do you do, Carrie? <laughs> Give the gospel. Exactly. And you preach. Baptize. That's it. Yeah. That's it. You become a pastor yourself, you, or you go out and preach to people yourself. You support missions and ministries for organizations that actually do equip people to become pastors. Yeah. And when you're worried about, well, what about all those people in fill in the blank? And of course that's fair, but the only tool we have, according to all of scripture, is actually preaching Christ and his forgiveness. That's it. That's all we have. So uh, the last verse is, and the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Uh, This is a a famous uh, couple words and the word became flesh and lived among us. Um, uh, Which is why it's the Christmas text. Which is why it's the Christmas text. (laughs) Exactly. Because that is actually what we are celebrating. Celebrating. Yeah. Is Jesus actually God. Yep which we've established up in the front verses, God himself became flesh mm-hmm. and dwelt or lived among us. Mm-hmm. And he did. And that is why this is the Christmas text, because he became human. And yet in this text, we also see his full divinity, yeah. which is why this text in systematic theology circles is argued about and um philosophy comes in and tries to say, well, that that can't be that. It must be this. But God is, or John here is very straightforward. Jesus was in the beginning God. He was with God. He was God. And that word, capital W, became flesh and lived among us. And this mm. is why we've yeah. seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. So he came actually to the glory of God, which is one thing I did want to hit on here quickly at the end. When we hear glory, so the glory as of a father's only son, which he certainly was the only son, we have seen his glory full of grace and truth. This is all, of course, capital T, true. But when we hear the word glory, we tend to think of it um, even on Christmas morning or maybe especially as, you know, like, wow, the angels and the stars and the um, beautiful hymns and all of the pageantry of Christmas Eve and mm-hmm. Christmas morning, which is fine. 
But the glory of God actually is is the opposite of the way we tend to think about it. So it was to the glory of God that Jesus became flesh. So much so, Luther says, he came down so far into the muck of our lives that his skin smoked. He became sin itself. He took our sin in his flesh, all of it, past, present, and future, to the glory of God. And he came to do what we cannot ever do, which is why Jesus actually came finally to do it. And that was to finally be merciful and forgive our sins so that we can finally live in peace as creatures of God, the creatures God created, comfortable in our own skin and trusting in God's promises. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Sarah Stenson for teaching us how these short verses contain the entirety of the Christian confession. What came into being in Jesus was life. That life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. The darkness is sin, death, and the devil. Jesus shines in that darkness through preaching the forgiveness of sins. The light of the Holy Spirit gives us faith in God's promise. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. Merry Christmas. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.